All right, y'all, welcome to the Scott Horton Show. I'm the director of the Libertarian Institute, editorial director of Antiwar.com, author of the book Fool's Errand, Time to End the War in Afghanistan, and the brand new Enough Already, Time to End the War on Terrorism. And I've recorded more than 5,500 interviews since 2003, almost all on foreign policy and all available for you at scotthorton.org. You can sign up for the podcast feed there. And the full interview archive is also available at youtube.com slash Scott Horton Show. Aren't you guys on the line? I've got Mohammed El Mazi. And boy, we've been uh, email pen pals for a very long time, but now I'm finally interviewing the guy. He wrote a thing at thedissenter.org, you know, where Kevin Got Stola does all of his great Assange stuff. And then here, Mohammed is also doing great Assange stuff. This one is called Assange is No Ordinary Journalist. U.S. Opposes Request for Appeal. Welcome to the show, Mohammed. How are you doing? I'm doing very well. Thank you for inviting me, Scott. Yeah, yeah. Happy to have you here. Great piece about a horrible subject. I almost can't believe this stuff, but yeah, I can. It's uh, the British High Court of Justice. I think the last stage of Assange's appeal of his extradition. Can you tell us exactly what is at issue in the court here? What it is the judge is being asked to decide? Sure. So um, without going to the whole sort of procedural dynamics, because extradition will have different rules than criminal appeals or civil appeals or what have you, and extradition is sort of in the middle of both. It's both criminal in a sense. Um, What they're doing is they're going to the high court and they're asking for permission to appeal. So so even though these are, if you like, appeal hearings, they're actually permission hearings. And uh, over the two days, most of the first day, so I wrote two pieces for the dissenter. Um, On the 20th, it was focusing on what the defense are arguing or Julian Assange's side is arguing. And then on the 21st, it was mostly the U.S. government's response. And um, your listeners may be aware of the fact that in 2021, the uh, district judge Vanessa Brezer ruled that Julian Assange could not be extradited. Right. But she only ruled that on the basis of uh, his substantial risk of suicide. She rejected all of the other arguments that related to um, politically motivated prosecution. And you can't you can't extradite someone for politically motivated prosecutions that the charges themselves, espionage are political offenses. And the UK US extradition treaty bars extradition for political offenses that the extradition and therefore a future trial would represent a breach of Julian's uh, fundamental right to speech and um, the right to a free press, that um, he wouldn't get a fair trial there, and a number of other arguments, right? So she rejected all of those, except for the argument that uh, the health grounds argument, that he'd be at substantial risk of suicide. When the US government got that reversed on appeal, on the basis of various assurances they gave. Oh, we promise we won't uh, treat uh, Julian poorly in our prison system, unless he says or does something that would cause us to change our mind. And amazingly, the high court accepted those flimsy qualified assurances. That then left Julian with um, the ability or the option to appeal all the grounds that he lost on in 2021, all the ones I've just listed to you. Now he tried to do that previously, And a single judge in the high court rejected that permission application. 
Uh, and so then they have tried again. And this time they've got two judges at an oral hearing, two senior judges at an oral hearing still at the high court. And um, if the judges grant permission to appeal on some, most or all of the grounds, then they'll list a subsequent date and say, OK, now you get to argue them more fully. You'll get to have an actual appeal hearing. Um, if they refuse, that's the end of the matter. They will have exhausted all their domestic avenues of appeal, and the only option left to them will be to um, seek interim measures or an emergency appeal at the European Court of Human Rights, which is based in Strasbourg, France. Mm -hmm. Okay, so um, now I know you live there in England, and I know that there were, uh, you know, Kevin Gostola was complaining about the video access, at least on the second day to the hearing. Were you actually able to go to the thing? Yeah, so I've covered every single hearing since 2019 in Julian's case. In fact, I'm the only person to be able to do that. It helps when you live here and you're self-employed. Um, but uh, some by in person and some via video link. Unfortunately, Kevin wasn't able to, he was denied video link access completely. In fact, everyone who lived outside of, who was based outside of England and Wales were denied, which is the first time that's ever happened. So I was inside, I was able to get inside. I, we, I, like everyone else, registered as press. You know, we have press cards here. If you're a member of a union or certain organizations like the BBC, they'll give you a press card, which the government recognizes. It's a bit different than the States. And then I sat down in the press uh, area because I went early enough to queue up. Unfortunately, on the second day, even though I came even earlier, and this happened to other people as well, even though we had a ticket because we had to, there's so much interest. So people, they started registering people for seats, if you like. Normally, you just go into court and you sit down with your member of the public or member of the press. You don't have to ask anyone's permission, right? Courts are meant to be open, you know, open to the public unless there's national security or other other reasons why they're not. But when there's very high media interest, you, you end up having to email all these dis different people hoping that you get on a list and then that you get a ticket when you come into the court building and then, and then you queue up outside the right courtroom, et cetera. And even though we did that, we were then a number of us, my, I was the first one, the clerks, the court clerks came to me and asked me to leave the press area and to go to the pre the public gallery up on the second floor where there's no tables or anything for me to put my computers on to, to type. And uh, they're like, oh, yeah, that's where your seat is. Um, I'm like, but this is press. It's like, ah, but other press uh, have a special status, priority status, because they're 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 associated press, which actually just means I realize they're just legacy or establishment press. You know, Guardian, BBC, Daily Mail, you know, New York Times, what have you. And that I'll, I'll, I cannot tell you how much of an issue I made out of that. I said, you're telling me journalists who literally know nothing about this case, who, who, who have covered maybe only one or two hearings, get priority because you know their names versus myself. I've come here, I've registered, I've come early and people who have come late get to take my seat. And she's like, oh, well, I'm sorry, that's the way it is. So I ended up going on the second day down to the basement of the court. And luckily, I also had access to a video link and I was able to get most of it. Although at the beginning, the sound was a bit choppy, but enough people complained that the judges rose, told the people to sort out the, the, the video link. And then it was mostly sorted. Um, it, it's amazing how country that's a supposed first world country, such as Britain, how poorly so much of the system is run. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. Anyway, I don't, yeah, that is what it is. Yeah, sure. Okay. So let's get to, 
this uh, headline, No Ordinary Journalist. What is the difference between Julian Assange and an ordinary journalist, according to British lawyers arguing on the Americans' behalf here? Yeah, they're instructed but, because barristers, I don't want to, you know, I don't get the whole thing, but barristers are 99 percent. They're self-employed. So I could pay some of them, assuming they're happy to take my case and they'll represent me on one day in my case. And then tomorrow, so they're not representing the British state. They truly are representing America. Their clients here. are I'm pretty sure it's the Department of Justice. Yeah. I see. Okay. I mean, the case actually says Julian Assange versus the United States of America. Okay. Or the United States government. I'd have to look at the, I think it's the USA. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's in a way seems like it could be beneficial compared to having the British state argue the case. But I don't know. Um, yeah, but bear in mind that their clients are all like U.S. Oh, yeah, yeah, British state. Yeah, but the British state, they're like, oh, but we're neutral, right? We're just here to facilitate the rule of law. We have a treaty with the Americans. The Americans say they want him. And so the, and so our Crown Prosecution Service will advise American prosecutors what they have to do to go about. They'll be like the go-betweens. They'll say these uh -huh. are good extradition experts. You can instruct them. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. All right. So now what about this argument about who's an ordinary journalist or who's not one? Apparently you're so ordinary, you got to go sit in the basement. But uh, this guy is so extraordinary, they get to lock him in prison. Yes, exactly. It's just two ends of uh, two ends of the spectrum. So um, I know this has been argued before in this case by the U.S. government, but it, the feel was certainly my feel was that previously they were saying that he had passed the threshold of 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 acceptable journalism when he had said uh, uh, to Chelsea Manning allegedly, because we don't even know that he's the one who said it. Someone from WikiLeaks said. Uh, curious eyes never run dry, right? When whoever it was was encouraging Chelsea Manning to look for more documents. And they're saying, oh, this is now solicitation, right? What they've done yesterday when they present their argument was Julian is not akin to an ordinary journalist. WikiLeaks is not akin to an ordinary publisher. In fact, um, even before Chelsea Manning came to the picture, um, they are basically operating as illegal individuals and, and organizations. I mean, they hammered this very hard. They said that he was soliciting and conspiring with individuals uh, in order to get them to commit um, to steal documents. Right. So it was the solicitation of criminal acts and hacking in order for people to steal documents so that they might be illegally published. This is how they were pushing it. They didn't even use the word leaking anymore. What happened? They completely rejected the idea, any idea that Chelsea Manning was a whistleblower. Uh, and this idea that um, I mean, they almost seem to be presenting the argument that you need to be a passive recipient of information in order to be an ordinary journalist. Of course, the uh, the lower court, when w the substantive hearings were happening at Westminster Magistrates Court, she heard plenty of expert testimony, which went unchallenged. Basically, there was no other expert who argued differently um, from experts in the United States, uh, basically saying, you know, we're not j journalism and journalists aren't just recipients, uh, passive recipients of information. We seek out, we encourage, cajole, inveigle. I mean, these are quotes that were all being used. Um, entice people 
to provide us with information. And yes, they may be violating their confidentiality agreements, but we're not breaking the law by doing this, by encouraging them to do this. They can always say no. And that's because if you if you say that's breaking the law, then basically um, that's the death of investigative journalism. That means journalists can only publish information that arrives anonymously in the post and that's it. And um, they even tried to say, uh, statements that Julian had made previously, just generally, such as, we are interested in documentation that people might have on this subject matter, such as the US rules of engagement in Iraq, the US military's rules of engagement, right? That kind of thing. Oh, that's enticing people to commit criminal offenses and to steal information and then send it to him. So it's, um, they're basically just trying to paint a picture that he's not a legitimate journalist, so you don't have to worry about extraditing him. And oh, this is a matter, if he wants to raise it, he can raise it at trial in the Eastern District of Virginia. It's not for us to, you know, this isn't meant to be a trial here, it's just a, a matter of whether or not it's legitimate for him to be extradited. Mm -hmm. Of course, as your other guests may have already told your audience, uh, most of these issues can't be argued um, under Espionage Act cases anyway, because they're not relevant. It's right. just about the documents. Hey, you guys. Did you know that I don't just write books? I publish them. Well, the Institute does, and I'm the director, so yeah. Thirteen of them now, including my four. We published five more in 2023. Lori Calhoun and Tom Wood's books about the COVID regime, Joe Solis Mullen on the fake China threat, Jim Bovard's latest, Last Rights, and our managing editor, Keith Knight's Domestic Imperialism. And we've got more great titles coming in 2024. Check them out at libertarianinstitute.org slash books and help support our anti-government efforts at libertarianinstitute.org slash donate. And thank you. Hey, y'all, Scott here. Let me tell you about Roberts and Roberts Brokerage, Inc. Who knew? Artificial bank credit expansion leads to price inflation and terribly distorted markets. If you've got any savings left at all, you need to protect them need to put some, at least, into precious metals. Well, Roberts and Roberts can set you up with the best deals on silver, gold, platinum, and palladium, and they've been doing this since 1977. Hey, if you just need some sound advice about sound money, they're there for you, too. Call Tim Fry and the guys at 800-874-9760. That's 800-874-9760, or check them out at rrbi.co. That's rrbi.co. You'll be glad you did. But even besides that, it, well, and that's, yeah, and, and we know all that about the espionage, how narrow the defense is ever allowed to be on that. Um, but on just this question, though, does the court have the power, you know, officially here to take all this into account to decide that, look, that on the face of it, They've got a very weak argument here. This is the best that they can come up with, is that this one guy, when he does journalism, it's different. And we all know it's different because he's publishing documents in bulk on the website. But they're not charging him with that because there's no difference in the law that they can point at there. Right? So, but that's what they're really trying to nail him for, is posting the raw data from these mass leaks and sort of changing the nature of journalism in that way and um and the size of the leaks being posted at once and the ease the secure drop mechanism 
for uploading documents anonymously and all of this kind of thing. That's why they're trying to make an example out of them. But as we've talked about this for years, and as you just described it, the U.S. government is all wet here. They've got nothing. Oh, he enticed somebody. Man, the U.S. Constitutional Republic, such as it is, has been around for 200-and-something years, and the courts have already decided about all this. There's no such thing as the crime of enticing somebody. (laughs) You know? What the hell is that? He's a journalist. As you said, every other journalist and every other mainstream and alternative journalistic outfit, you know, acts this way and reserves the right to act this way. I'll say it right now. Hey, government employees, steal documents, break the law, violate your contract, and upload that stuff to WikiLeaks or somebody, not the Washington Post. By the way, that's why Manning uploaded this stuff to WikiLeaks, because tried to give it to the Washington Post and the New York Times, and they wouldn't pay any attention. So he went ahead and gave it to Assange. And that is a very interesting... Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. No, I was going to say that is a very interesting point because, yeah, so there's two elements to it. They're using loads of arguments to try to to try to create the context, the environment where um, a judge feels comfortable or makes it easy, thinks that, yeah, this is clearly about criminal behavior to extradite, even though most of the things they raise, like they heavily made, uh, hammered the, the fact that he published the unredacted cables, right? But of course, the charges themselves, that's irrelevant, right? There is, there is no difference if the cables, if the documents are redacted versus unredacted under the Espionage Act. They, they talked about um, he created grave uh, uh, likelihood of serious harm or high likelihood of grave harm falling uh, to U.S. sources because their names would then appeared in the unredacted documents that ended up being published. But of course, it's not a crime in the U.S., to reveal the sources, the identity of sources of U.S. uh, government um, um, institutions, and it won't make a difference, right? It doesn't matter. It's not like they'll have to argue that in court. And also it's important that it ain't true. You know, when all this came out, they said over and over again, like hypnosis, like they always do with these slogans, blood on his hands. Julian Assange has blood on his hands. Bradley, now Chelsea Manning, has blood on his hands. Blood on his hands, blood on his hands, blood on his hands. Hey, everybody, you get the email? Go on TV today and say blood on his hands, blood on his hands, blood on his hands. And then it turned out they had no evidence of that whatsoever, and they were forced by the courts to admit it. Yeah, that's true. Although the the point is here, while they did raise that, and they even said Krypton published first, uh, and one of the judges amazingly actually raised this. They said, "Well, what do you say to this point that like um, what uh, when Julian or WikiLeaks published the unredacted cables, it had already been published by a different outlet first, and the America the the lawyer representing the United States, they're they're all British lawyers, but she's they they're instructed by the the U.S. government to represent them here." Um, Claire Dobbin had said, um, well, we say that uh, it doesn't matter well, which institution published, whether it was WikiLeaks or not WikiLeaks, it is because of, of Julian Assange, the responsibility falls on him. Had he not incited, uh, I love the term they use incited as well, like incitement to riot. If he had not incited Chelsea Manning to leak the documents, they would not have been leaked, which is, of course, completely false based on Chelsea Manning's own 
uh, statement uh, during her like pre previous statements and also what was said at her trial, right? That it's not that you know she was just going about her her business and then and then Julian Assange came out of nowhere and encouraged her to leak not that that should matter even if right. he had in fact as well, a small parenthesis what actually happened was Manning was ordered to help process the arrest and imprisonment of a guy who had written an article critical of prime minister Nuri al-Maliki and calling him a thief it was called where did the money go and he was sure to be tortured and maybe killed and Manning said to his, then Bradley Manning said to his superior officer, hey, what is this? I don't want to do this. This is wrong. What the hell? And was told, get back to work. And that was the motive. And Manning explained that to the rat in the private messages when, you know, assuming no one else was looking and that it was a private message because the guy had said, I'm a priest and a journalist or a reverend and a journalist, so I can doubly keep your secrets. Don't worry, you can trust me. And he explained, she, Chelsea Manning, explained the purpose of the whole thing. So sorry to go on like that, but that was what it was. It wasn't Julian Assange came from somehow um, just picked a random army specialist and twist his arm behind his back. Yeah, that's a very important point. So they I mean, the arguments that they're trying to make to the judge is like, look, you have there, there is pr jurisprudence, right? Precedent from the European Court of Human Rights, which is supposed to be the highest court on on human rights issues. And they're very clear that when it comes to publication, there's a balancing test that must be done. And they say that the judge at first instance, uh, district uh, district. Um, District Judge Vanessa Bratzer, when she ruled against all the defense arguments, and she said these are matters that can be raised at trial, but they can't be because there's no public interest defense under the Espionage Act, right? Um, they said that she failed in her responsibilities, right? Because this is an appellate court, so you're making, you're having to make um, grounds of law, right? The, you're, those are where your main arguments are. So their main arguments were, if you like, almost a fact. So the the, the go U.S. government ha saying harm has occurred, etc. And they're saying, look, the, the European court would say balance on the one hand, potential alleged unproven harm on the one hand versus verifiable fact of torture, rape, assassinations, drone strikes. Right. Uh, like we know for a fact that courts, including the European court itself, has found that as a result of WikiLeaks disclosures, you know, cases succeeded, including the case of Khaled al-Masri, who, who testified on behalf of Julian Assange about how he was kidnapped by the CIA, rendered, tortured because they mistook him for someone else for months. And even when they realized he was the wrong person, they kept him for, I think, a couple more months uh, and then dumped him out of a van in some random country. Um, uh, and he had to find his way home and his family. He was on holiday. His family were back in Lebanon. Because they're like, our dad and husband has disappeared. Um, and this poor guy, <laughs> this poor German, is he German Lebanese, I think? German Lebanese uh, citizen. And uh, having to bring this case. And it's only because of WikiLeaks disclosures that that came to light. And he was able to win a, a judgment of the European and, court. And I'm sorry, Mohammed, we're so short on time. But uh, ah. just on that point, there are at least 10,000 news stories. Certainly high thousands and thousands of news stories that at least in part cite the WikiLeaks cables, the State Department cables, the Iraq-Afghan war logs, the Guantanamo files. There's no question about the newsworthy public interest data in this stuff. 
and it's actually a perfect leak because it's all secret and confidential level stuff. So it didn't cause any spies to get rolled up behind Russian lines or anything like that. Just told the truth that people deserve to know. And then, but on the last thing here before we go, and I'm I'm really late, so if you can as fast as you can, can you talk about this argument? by these barristers, again, representing the United States, that the First Amendment doesn't apply here. Their power to prosecute Assange applies. But for whatever reason, and it sounds like the way you covered it here, doesn't sound like the defense attorney didn't have a straight argument either about, look, if they're putting their hands on him, that makes him a U.S. person, and then you're damn right he's got the First Amendment, which is the correct argument. Well, yeah. So the defense are saying, look, Mike Pompeo, when he was CIA, said a uh, CIA director said that the First Amendment does not apply to him because he's not a U.S. person. He's not a U.S. citizen, even though they are seeking to apply domestic criminal law against him for actions that he took outside uh, while based outside of the United States. And bear in mind, Chelsea Manning, as you said, was based in Iraq. So they're applying domestic criminal, uh, you know, over a hundred year old uh, uh, espionage law against a non-U.S. person while saying that the First Amendment protections do not uh, apply to him. And um, so therefore they're saying that this would breach his rights under freedom of speech and press that he has here. He'd get discrim- this would be discrimination according to nationality, which is in violation of the extradition treaty, right, which bars extradition to a place where someone would face discrimination, disfavorable treatment as a result of race, religion, etc., political opinion and nationality. Uh, and they also say that this would violate his rights under the Human Rights Act and the European Convention of Human Rights, which which afford protections of freedom of speech and the press. And when one of the judges asked um, one of the American lawyers or the lawyers representing the United States, um, do we have any evidence before us that um, a foreign citizen uh, like Assange would have um protections under the First Amendment that would have to be taken into consideration. And actually, the barrister representing the United States, or one of them, said, uh, uh, in short, no. Right. So in short, they accepted that position. But it wasn't completely clear. And they said, OK, we want you to go and find out, go through all the documents that have been submitted in this case and come back to us with an answer. If there's like a concrete answer, because uh, Kromberg, Gordon Kromberg, the U.S. prosecutor, had also said in, in in his statements, which have made their way into the courts, because he's the lead, one of the lead U.S. prosecutors in this case, that if Julian tries to raise a First Amendment argument in the United States, they would then or they would have the ability to raise the argument that uh, First Amendment doesn't apply to him because he's not based. He's not a U.S. person. Right. And not a U.S. resident. So it is it is fascinating. That's the the rule of law there. They just have to have it both ways. Right. They can prosecute them, but they don't have to abide by the restrictions on the limitations of their power to persecute them at all. It's completely crazy. All right. Listen, I'm sorry. I'm overdue. I got to go to my next uh, guest here. But thank you so much for your time, Mohammed. Really great stuff. No worries. Thank you very much for inviting me. Okay, you guys, go check out Mohammed El Mazi. He is at thedissenter.org, uh, writing over there with Kevin Gostola. UK High Court finally hears Assange's request for appeal, and Assange is no ordinary journalist. U.S. opposes request for appeal. Last shot for the great hero Julian Assange before extradition. The Scott Horton Show and Anti-War Radio can be heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in L.A. APSradio.com, antiwar.com, scotthorton.org, and libertarianinstitute.org.